Hey everyone, my name is Jeremy Redman and I am the pastor at Rivertree Jackson where we are real people in real relationships chasing after a real Jesus and this is our podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe, follow, turn on push notifications so you never miss a sermon when we drop it each week. Now, we are getting ready to jump into today's teaching. Hope you enjoy it. Here's your question of the day. What if every person in our church viewed themselves as somebody's pastor? If you're a Jesus follower, what if you did? You looked around the world and you thought, I am somebody's pastor. I am somebody's caretaker, somebody's minister of the gospel. You have a responsibility and an opportunity because not everybody can do what I do with the title But every one of us is called to be a minister and evangelist for Jesus Christ, to be the church. The theme text for our series comes from 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of our God, for he called you out of that darkness, that pit, that sin, and has brought you into his marvelous, wonderful light. You are an important member of the team, the family, this community of priests and pastors and ministers of the gospel. You have a role. By spending time in his presence, you are brought into the present to serve him so that you can show through the darkness that God has delivered you from to shine a light on it so that other people can see reflection in you what is possible through Jesus in their own life. And you alone have this unique story this uh, sermon like we learned last week that you can let's go and preach that you can go out and nobody has the story that you do. Not everybody is gonna resonate with the way I talk or the way that I share my story or my experiences, but somebody will respond to the way that you do. Somebody will be changed by the gospel through your life living out in it. And so if you're with us a lot or you've been here for a bit, I like to say our values a lot. And one of those values is being commission-minded. What that just means is we live for Jesus, with Jesus, wherever he calls us. It comes from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus, right before he ascended, he said, I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. So because of that, therefore, let's go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have taught you and be sure of this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we take that very seriously and we believe that right there in the Great Commission, we already know what a believer, what a Jesus follower, what a Christian is supposed to be doing. You teach people about Jesus, what he taught, what he did, how to live it out. You make disciples, people who can learn about Jesus by watching you, and then you baptize them. That's what he said. It's for all of the priesthood, for all of us. So let's go baptize people. Let's be a church of people, thousands who go out with the authority of Jesus and the heart of the Holy Spirit to baptize people into Jesus. I have had the privilege over years of ministry to baptize tons of people. I don't, I don't, I don't know how many people I have baptized. And it's the greatest honor and privilege in my life. I don't remember all of them vividly. Some of them I do, and one of them was my son, Uh, When he was younger, I got to baptize him in in a service, and it was 
awesome. What an amazing honor. And I wish that everybody could experience that. And the good news is you can. It is not just for the pastor. Baptism is not just for the pastor. It could be for anybody who is over you and the Lord that God has put at a time and a place and a space to do it in that moment. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, Jeremy, I can't baptize people because that's, that's what the pastor does. But it's not. It is what I do, but you can too. We see in the New Testament, there are these accounts where we expect that John the Baptist or Jesus is the one doing all the baptiz- you know, baptisms. And, and maybe in some degrees that was true, but we also see that it wasn't always true. In John chapter four, one through two, it says that Jesus knew that the Pharisees were talking about how he was baptizing more people and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them. Who did? His disciples did. When it came time to put people under the water, Jesus would like hug them. He'd pat their head. He'd fist bump them. And then he'd be like, Matthew, come here. This is yours. And he would send them to Matthew. And then, and then James and John, you've got some. Peter, don't hold them down too long. A little longer. You never, I mean, you just never know who was going to be. But it wasn't Jesus that had to do it. And they weren't surprised by this because the work started by one man, Jesus, isn't fulfilled by a few, but by all. If we wanna do the kingdom work that Jesus has called his bride, the church, the people movement too, then we need to be willing to be fully commission-minded and not have doubts about yourselves or things that you can't do because, because if you follow Jesus and you're a Jesus follower, you have a mission and you are totally qualified. When Jesus said, let's go to these disciples that followed him around for a few years, they weren't surprised that he told them to preach and teach, to disciple and to baptize because that's what they had been doing. We already see here in John 4, they were baptizing. We see in other parts of the gospels that Jesus sent them out two by twos into different areas to perform miracles and to teach about the kingdom. So they were well aware before the great commission of what he probably expected them to do. But when they were out and they were sharing Jesus, there there needed to be a, a physical representation of a spiritual decision. You see, baptism is a public declaration of a personal decision. You can believe something, you can think something, you can feel something, but that is only for you to know. But if you can demonstrate something, then all of a sudden other people can know it too. And that's what we were seeing within the early church, that there has to be this death to self in order to receive and accept the new life that we can have only in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.12 It says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Look back, if you know the story, then you know that Jesus's resurrection was really public because a lot of people saw it. The soldiers were there at the tomb on Easter morning when the angel came down and the ground moved and the stone rolled away. And we know that the religious leaders knew it because the soldiers came and told them and they didn't really try to move to discount it. They just tried to lie and cover it up. We know it's public and true because when the women went there that morning to embalm Jesus's body properly because the men did a bad job, they saw Jesus. Mary Magdalene was the first evangelist, the first preacher of the gospel. On that Sunday, she told James and John and the disciples, and then James and John ran to the tomb, and then they saw with their own eyes the tomb was empty, and then Jesus showed up in a locked room. 
He shouldn't have been there, but he was, and their life would never be the same. They realized in that moment, they had known Jesus, but something fell off. This blinder of not realizing what he is worth or who he is went away, and they realized that their lives were not their own. Their plans, their ambitions, their dreams didn't belong to them anymore. They were dead in their old life, and now they were raised to a new one in Jesus Christ. They were under new authority because they had heard Jesus talk about this, but they knew that a dead seed can go into the ground and it doesn't grow and come back to life without being watered. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This act, this sign act of baptism is this representation of your spirit, your mind, your will, and your choices being dead to Christ so that you can live for him. But it's such a beautiful thing because it isn't just dying to yourself, but it's dying with Jesus. And because we die with Jesus, he brings us back to life through his Holy Spirit to be the new creation. No longer the old you that is full of shame and guilt and and worry and doubt and embarrassment, but one who realizes that you are fully loved, fully accepted, fully valued because you share in his death, but you also are raised with his resurrection, Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to know that. Maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe you don't even know you need to know that. But you do. I do every day. Your sins are forgiven and washed away when you receive Jesus. And that does not mean that there will not be repercussions or consequences by the choices you've made, the actions that you have done. There are consequences. But you are not bound by the shame and the sin that is there because Jesus took it. And he'll do a work through you, a redemptive work that his Holy Spirit will allow you to do to bring his kingdom to the world as you bring the world to his kingdom. And so if you are a baptized Jesus follower, you can go and baptize other people. Because we see it in the early days after the resurrection, uh, the, the early church were commissioned minded and so they would share Jesus and people would understand it and then they would baptize him right there. We see this really cool big story in Acts chapter 2 where 120 of the Jesus followers were gathered together at the temple on a festival day known as Pentecost which was the day of harvest and then Peter who just 53 days earlier was lying about even knowing who Jesus Christ was by a fire because he feared for his life, is now declaring publicly in front of thousands that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is alive. Peter had already died to himself and he was raised to newness in life in Christ. And look what happens after Peter gives his first sermon when he says, let's go. Those who believed Peter were baptized and added to the church, the ecclesia, people movement, that team, 3,000 in all. Somebody say, let's go. You are, that's 120 to 3,000. That's a big team. That's a big number. Peter was commission-minded, and just know, 
Peter wasn't standing there with a line of 3,000. I mean, I think Peter was probably jacked and really strong, but that's a lot of people to go up and down. You better be swole up and down if you're going to baptize that many people. Even if just the 12 did that whole group, that would be 250 apiece baptizing everybody. But can you imagine if all 120 Jesus followers shared the load, they would have all baptized 25 people apiece. You see, when everyone is a minister, the load gets lighter. When this is a priesthood of believers, and this is one team, all on mission to live commission-minded, the workload gets less. We can do more when we go together. So let's go baptize people in the name of Jesus. We're going to baptize people right over here in just a few moments. And uh, a lot of them came ready and they're prepared. But I want you to know, if, if God's been working on you or through during this time, you have been thinking and convicted and God is just putting that seed and putting that seed and he's been showing you things and you want to get baptized today, but you're not ready. Uh, you didn't bring things. We have it all. Danielle's over there. She's waving at you. Um, we have towels. We have clothes. We have bags. We have all the things that you would need to be baptized today. It's even being streamed for the interwebs for always. So anybody you want to see it could see it today anywhere around the world we would love for you to do it don't fight back on it we have been praying for you and praying for this day and so if God is calling you to it I would love for you to anytime during the next few minutes as we finish walk up Danielle is there I see Sonia we're ready to go for you let's go somebody say let's go because you may be thinking well, maybe not today, or maybe you've been baptized, but Jeremy, they should just get baptized here always, right? Let's just get them to you, get them to the church. Um, I love it. But there are examples and stories where I, I think they're so good, just like Leah shared about going to the ocean. It's in Acts chapter 8. We see a, a, an example of a guy who was going when God said go, and it starts in verse 26. As for Philip, just a guy, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road between Jerusalem and to Gaza. When you see the word go in the scriptures, it is often translated as a depart from this spot. It is not a hypothetical. It is a literally go. Go from here to there. Go over there and do the work that I'm calling you to do. So go is not go and stay put. It's not a run in place. It's a run to for the kingdom and to baptize them, to disciple them, to teach them the commands of Jesus. And so he says to Philip, go, and let's go see what we're going to do. And in this case, he was going to go and baptize somebody. It wasn't about, oh, let's bring him back to Peter in Jerusalem to go that far back because we're between Gaza and Jerusalem. But it was like, what do we have? Where are we? Go do my work. Because Philip was part of the priesthood of believers. He was, a, he was a minister of the gospel. And so we see in 27, he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the, well, Candake or the Kandake, if this was Nemo, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I want you guys to know that already, it isn't you that convinces somebody to give their life to Jesus. 
It isn't you that has to force somebody or trick them or be so witty. The Holy Spirit already does the hard work. He is already calling and tending to the soil in, in their lives, in their hearts. We see curiosity already with this man. The, the soil has been tended. The, the seeds have been planted. It just needed to be watered. And you know, things don't grow without water. Except for I did read an article this week about a chemist who discovered a way to take seeds and dirt and actually grow a tree without any water. Did you read that? It's called a chemistry. <laughs> Acts 8, 29. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go! over there and walk along beside this carriage. And I love this word go here because it means something a little bit different. It means to draw near. Like you're not just aimlessly going somewhere, but you're going to someone. Go be near in proximity and in relationship. Be open and vulnerable. Be in the space and the bubble they are at. Authentic relationships. Because they won't let you get close if they don't trust you and they can't trust you if you won't give them trust and vulnerability. And so Philip goes. He runs. I love this in verse 30. Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? If only there was somebody around who knew the answers to my questions and my conundrums and my doubts and concerns. If only there was one person. You see Peter, James and John, I mean, any of them? No, he had Philip. And so he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him for a bit. And because the spirit was already moving and Philip was obedient, the spirit opened the door. The seeds had been planted of curiosity. The, the, the ground had been tilled and worked so that he was already seeking and curious. And then now he has somebody to understand and give insight and wisdom about what he truly is looking for. Verse 32, the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from earth. He's reading about Jesus. This is a messianic prophecy. There were hundreds of them in the Old Testament over thousands of years. And he is days after when Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of them. And so here he is in verse 35. And he begins with the same scripture. And Philip told him the good news about Jesus. When you are discipling and living commission-minded, your goal is not to get people where you are. Your goal is to give yourself away with Jesus and to help them get closer to Jesus step by step by step, to remove the barriers that we so often put there by letting people know Jesus, the real Jesus, and give them space for their doubts, their concerns, their questions. You don't pressure, but you press into their story. You let them into your heart, your story. You share some of your weaknesses and the, the journey that took you to get to Christ in a relationship where it changed everything. And that's what they allowed. Philip and this man had a dialogue because there was relationship, because he obeyed, he went, he was near, 
And he listened. In verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Look, there's water. Why, why can't I be baptized? Why can't you be baptized today? You know Jesus, you believe in it, you've seen all these things, you fully know what you're committed to. Sometimes we put structures in place and a lot of conversations, and I do that a lot, especially when they're young. I make my kids, I have a book I make them read before they want to get baptized and we have this conversation. But sometimes it just feels right when you're at your favorite beach spot or lake spot or pool spot or you're at a pond or you have a big garden tub or a hot tub and you're just like, the time is right. Somebody says it, the the pump is primed and they are ready to give their life fully to Jesus publicly. I've gotten a chance, again, I don't know how many people I have baptized over the years, but I know that I have baptized people in ponds and lakes and pools, oh my. And I'm excited for the rest of the places that God may allow me if I go and if I'm willing. I would love to be able to baptize people in crazy spaces. And so here's what I want you to think about. As we do the takeaway, I like to give you something to think about. And if you're watching online, here's where you screenshot. If you're in the house, this is where you get your phone out, talk about it at lunch later this week. But if you've been baptized, do you remember what it was like? Where were you? How did it play out? Next question. What would prevent you from feeling able, qualified to baptize someone you care about based on our conversation today? As you kind of drive around and think through where are you always and already at, do you see any potential baptism spaces in your world? Is there a lake? Is there a pond? Is there times when you're at the ocean? Is there a hot tub or a pool in your backyard? Do you have one of those big garden jacuzzi tubs? Or maybe you're a farmer and you have a feeding trough and you just need to kick out some of the dirt and hay and other stuff. Unless you know the person, you're like, just leave it. And you can do that too. But when are you thinking about the opportunities when you could do that? And the last one is this. What is keeping you from being baptized right now? What is preventing that in your heart from saying, I get it, there's water, why can't I be baptized? This past Tuesday, we were having an extended staff prayer time at a beautiful home and I was sitting outside looking at a a pond and I was literally thinking about our church and the people that could be baptized today. And I I kid you not, I got a text message from a friend of mine here in the church and it just said this and I I asked for permission, I'm going to share it. Uh, It was just so Jesus and it was just so let's go baptize that I couldn't think of a better way to end our time. He said, Jeremy, I, I hope you had an amazing weekend of swimming with your family. I just wanted to let you know My wife, Sonia, got to baptize her brother in our pool this Saturday afternoon. It was amazing. Just like her, he had grown up in the Catholic Church and watched her and been seeing changes in in both of us. And in his searching for truth, 
he found a relationship with Jesus and everything changed the gospel of Jesus and the testimony of your life can lead people to want to be baptized and maybe it's right there right then in your own pool maybe it's your brother maybe it's a sister a spouse a child a parent a neighbor a co-worker a classmate Anybody of us can do it any time. And the only time when it's right is when Jesus calls you to it. And I am so excited today that we have people standing over right here that have said today is the day. And I'm going to get to baptize some of them. Other people are going to get to baptize some of them. And so as we're doing that, if you are so moved, come right down here. Get in line. Danielle's got you. We're going to make sure it's all here. We're going to stay until everybody who wants to be baptized is baptized. But Chandler and the band, they're going to lead us in in some music in a little bit. But between now and then, can we just celebrate? Be excited because wherever you are is the perfect place for you to let go of your life and say, let's go with Jesus. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? All right, let's go. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you were encouraged, would you please consider sharing it and make sure you subscribe and follow our channel so you never miss an episode. If you would like to support this ministry financially or just get more involved with Rivertree, head over to rivertreejackson.com to find out how you can do just that. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time.